Great. We are here. The second episode of Open and Honest. I don't know if you can hear, but there is a wolf howling outside my window. It's not actually a wolf. It's a dog. But dogs are like wolves. Domesticated wolves. And it's not a vibe. It's absolutely not a vibe. You have to be open and honest. Just be honest. You're looking too fast. That's who I am. Everybody wants me to be open, honest, upfront, transparent. No one else is speaking up. Why are you torturing her? I thought I was being honest. Well, you don't have to bring it up. I really feel like I have been open, honest, funny. Open and honest with Amraj Lolly. On the roster for today, how Kyle and Dorit influence each other's relationship breakdown. Then, breaking down the psychology of Gertie's trust violation. And finally, the heartwarming scene that I cried over. It seems like a lot of people who aren't familiar with the Housewives universe were really interested in the podcast. So I'm going to give you a little bit more context about who these women are. Plus, future episodes will be me just talking solo on a range of different topics. And it will be really exciting to talk about what's on my mind too, whilst keeping these snappy. So I'm going to have some non-Housewives episodes coming up soon. But first, the scene that gagged me the most and really made me think... The first scene is from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's from season 13, episode 4, the latest episode. The women are in Las Vegas for a girls' weekend. And Dorit and Kyle, who have a long-standing friendship, sit together to have an intimate dinner. There was something in this scene which I found really interesting. It's how Kyle and Dorit influence each other's relationship breakdown. This was not a good year for me and my marriage. I know you've said that. Pika had dinner with Mo last night. Mo had said that to him. Both of the women have been married a number of years and their husbands are really good friends. And recently their husbands just had dinner together. I think a lot of it has to do with expected more from him for what I was going through, which I know you can understand. Mm -hmm. So how they expressed it is that they both expected more of their partners in their times of great need over the last year. So Kyle had her family stress. Dorit experienced post-traumatic stress. Also probably, you know, he, you know how he loves to go drink and there's a lot of events where I'm supposed to go and sometimes it's like, I don't want to go to these parties. I'm in a place in my life where I would much rather be home reading than going to an event, especially that I don't drink anymore. That's something I also noticed about my own sobriety journey. Sometimes you end up just going to places to literally just numb yourself and then that just feels like a waste of time. Do you think that like this whole not drinking and distancing yourself for a minute was to try to protect yourself, get control? Because obviously you had the trauma of falling out with your sister. Maybe. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I feel like I need to be really clear right now about everything. In the last episode, we talked about Kyle's clarity. Something that's really important is to be able to dig deep and to work out what we really want. And listen, I hope you don't feel like you have to justify. I mean, I've made little comments. You're not you know, the only one me. I, a lot of people have said it. You're no longer drinking. Seems to me like midlife crisis. Oh, I really feel for Kyle here. That is the one thing about sobriety that I really relate to. Sometimes people want you to act a way that you were yourself before. And Harry Lerner talks about these as changeback moves, whether they're subconscious or not. People are used to us being the way that we are, or were, rather. I mean, listen, selfishly, and when I tease and say, oh, Kyle, come on, it's because we have seven years of history where when we go on trips like this, I know. you and I let loose and we'll do silly things and have fun, and I miss that. You will always experience those people who will give you that 
change back kind of mentality. She's really doing this mocktail thing. I miss the old Kyle. Not the splits, just Kyle. (laughs) I don't think any of us miss the splits. But I think it's great that Kyle's authentic and just does the splits, even though people find it annoying. Before, I would have felt like, well, I have to go have drinks because everybody expects that from me to go and have fun. I'm like, I don't even feel like I need to do that anymore. This is who I am. Just take it or leave it. I also noticed about my own sobriety journey. My social circle has changed quite a lot. I've been very intentional about still seeing all of my partying friends, but in my sobriety, it sometimes means it's a little bit different. But if this is the direction that you want to go, do you ever worry about the future? I love this bit. Dorit says, if this is the direction you want to go, do you ever worry about the future? When someone is not growing and not going down that same path as you, it's so hard. And you keep trying to connect with that person. It doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. But if they're not in that space, when you lose weight, when you go sober, when you go vegan, you are more likely to have a relationship breakdown because both people are out of sync. And that's something I touched on last episode. It's difficult. It's work. It's a struggle. Relationships are work. Dorit completely got it. And I think sometimes people forget that and they want it to just be easy. Relationships aren't easy. And if they're not easy, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Relationship magic doesn't just happen. That doesn't mean you should expect huge change and huge periods of growth for someone to be someone completely different. You're still with that person who's in front of you today. But if you don't mutually grow with each other, around each other and help each other grow, I don't think that's a good sign. So as promised, how do Dury and Kyle influence each other's relationship breakdown? The answer might have already been a bit obvious from what I've already been talking about, because many social phenomena are contagious. If someone gets divorced, you're more likely to get divorced. And Rose McDermott and her colleagues did research about this specifically related to divorce. In fact, the title of their paper is Breaking Up is Hard to Do Unless Everyone Else is Doing It Too. And I'm really seeing this. Both of these women are going through periods of doubt, periods of questioning. And if Dorit and PK ultimately separate in the same way that Kyle and her husband Maurizio do, then this would definitely have been a part of it. Let's move on to The Real Hustlers Miami. I'm going to break down the psychology of Gertie's trust violation. Let's go do that. Let's go do that. Let's go look at Gertie. Gertie, Gertie, Gertie. Big trust issues. Big trust issues. Gertie and Larsa, who've just fallen out a bit and kind of have gotten off track. And Gertie calls Larsa to try and work things out to get back on track. What's going on with us? I think that we need to probably do, the, like, do a side conversation, just the two of us, to clear it all up. The scene begins with Gertie pleading for Larsa's patience. I need you to give me a safe space to be myself. Larsa does seem guarded, and I think that's blocking her from really connecting with Gertie here. Larsa's constantly asking, what are you crying about, what are you crying about? And then Gertie just says it. I have breast cancer. How am I supposed to know that? You know, I mean, like, you have breast cancer? Oh, no. Um... It was really difficult to hear Lars's response. I need you to come, please, please, oh my God. I need you, I know, I'm trying to tell you, but but Lars, listen to me, please. There is that kind of, oh, what's happening? Oh, don't do that. I wish you would have told me this when you first sat down. Thinking the best, I think Lars probably felt on the spot, there's a lot of intensity around the situation, and she might have felt that this kind of secret was happening in the background and she didn't really know. I think she does manage to recover, in this scene at least. 
Um, but I just want you to know that I really feel bad and I love you and I'm going to be here for you. And I did not in a billion years know, I promise you. She does manage to find a way to connect with Gertie. She puts her arm around her. She says that she's going to be there for her. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for today. I feel so much better. Even though Larsa has been critiqued a lot online and her response has been described as insensitive, Larsa has her own way to connect with Gerdy. But the thing that happens that was actually very difficult was how Larsa responds after the fact. Gerdy really tries to clarify, hey, I'm telling you this, I'm confiding in you. I have only told a few of the women and I have yet to tell the others. I hope that you take it in confidence right now just because I'm, I'm not yeah, sure how I, I'm going to do I it. Yeah, I, know, I know, I'm just saying, you know, I want to make it clear because I have to now tell the rest of the girls. You know, she says, keep it in confidence. That's the kind of thing that is generally unspoken and doesn't need to be spoken. But Larsa doesn't. As we see on screen, just six hours later, and then they literally write, no, seriously, just six hours later, they write that on screen, we love a shady producer. She tells the first two guests who walk in the room. She literally said she has breast cancer. When I was like, I felt horrible. Then she does talk about it with the other women. So why might Larsa be doing this? There is an anxiety and intensity that is wrapped around difficult truths that we are told. Larsa might have felt negatively impacted by not knowing this from before, but it isn't her story to tell. Charles Feltman, who's an expert in trust, defines it as choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable to another person's actions. And I think this is just a very good example of how trust operates and how it is about that piece that you find vulnerable and letting another person potentially fuck it up. Because that's what happens here. He also describes what distrust is. It's the feeling that what's important to me isn't safe with you. And unfortunately, we could also see that. Oh, it was hard. Also, what's at stake is just Lars's own integrity. When you have integrity, as Brene Brown notes, you choose courage over comfort. You choose what's right over what's fun, fast or easy. You choose practicing your values rather than simply professing them. Even though this was a really distressing scene for me, and I know it was for many viewers too, hopefully by breaking it down, we can look at what it takes to build trust. Trust is just so important. It builds over time. It's the foundation of connection. It's essential for teamwork, for community, for leadership, and it's the foundation for growth and learning. Anyway, one final piece, and it's also about Gerdy and her husband. Wow, wow, wow. It's on full screen. I was reading online that your loved one should not ask you to not cry. It often comes from a good place. We don't want people to cry because we don't want them to be in pain. We don't want them to suffer. Actually, it's through that crying that they process and can get through that suffering, get to a happier place. I like that Gertie's advocating for herself. I said try not to. I know. <laughs> Russell's clarifying himself. If he didn't indeed say that, then that might be um, a different case. I feel like I might shrink. I'm here for, for you. That's not, that's not what you're here for, by the way. You were not put on this earth to deal with my sh So don't say that. I think it's so sweet that Gerdy is just really clarifying. Look, my shit isn't for you to be responsible for. But then have Russell responds. Your shit is my sh Okay, I understand that, but... It's, it's, don't worry about me. We fine. I got your back. Oh. It's just so sweet. I literally, I cried. I really cried. I found it so heartwarming. 
he says, I got your back and he just holds her. And that's, that's sometimes all we need to hear, especially when we're so used to just doing everything ourselves. That's why it sometimes is extra important to be vulnerable. This was the second episode of Open and Honest. I hope it was good. I feel like I've just been talking at my mic for half an hour and I have no idea if it was all right or not. Please tell me, give me the feedback and keep tuning in, talking shit and talking psych with me. I'm Raj Lally. Always remember that being a fly on the wall only shows us a picture from one angle. There's never just two ways to understand or tackle any particular human problem. As Harriet Lerner says, there are seven different ways, or maybe 19 or 100. My hope is to keep helping us expand our knowledge and develop more relational intelligence. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> it's going to sound like I just made the same sound effect again, but I was screaming because I just did it. I just did it. I faced my fears and did it anyway. In fact, that's the book that I'm reading right now. We can do a book club.